and then she's like, well, I want to, not only does she want to try it, but she wants Castile to yeah. imbibe. <laughs> like in, <laughs> in, in the blood. In the pleasure taking, like, and so she would like a taste. Yeah, yeah. Especially because he's always talking about it in a taste way. He always compares her vagina to honeydew, and so he's already kind of set the stage, I guess, for the imbibing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh, can you hold it there? I have to, I'm going to pee my pants. (laughs) Welcome back. This is In Bed With Books with your hosts, Bethany. And Melissa. Today we're going to talk about the crown of gilded bones. (laughs) And you, you finished it at 3 a.m.? I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> uh, I, I finished it on Thursday, but I spent all day Thursday reading the last 400 pages, which was most of the book. Like, yeah. that's where the book happened. I think I read, I, I think I, let me see it. Let me look at my notes. So I'll be able to recognize it. Because it's like, it start. I just remember, I had started this book and like, it came out in May. Mm -hmm. I started it in like May. And I was like, I can't, what is going on? Like, this is just so much. And I had to just kind of put it down. And then when we like, kind of got this podcast going and we're like, oh, and so I was like, okay, I'll have to like, continue. So I continued it. And it was just kind of a still a slump for like a long for a minute. And then it started picking up. So and then it started racing. And it no didn't chill. stop. And it wouldn't calm the fuck down. And it hasn't calmed the fuck down. I think it's gonna start pretty like I hope it does. I hope yeah. she just keeps rolling. Like no more slumps. We don't need any more slumps. So I read the last 15 chapters yesterday. So I started at about like chapter 35, 34, 35. Yeah. And I mean, I zoomed through them. Um, I think, so the other ones, I think to kind of like put it into perspective, the other ones also had slow beginnings. Mm Mm-hmm. I think, though, because it was so much of, like, us, in the first one, us learning about Solace and learning about what we, what she thought was real. And then the second one was learning what is actually real. That this one, because we weren't doing, like, the whole fantasy info dump, essentially, for 200 pages, that it just, it felt kind of drawn out Mm -hmm. in a more exaggerated way than the other two did. That being said, once I got farther into the book, I understood why it was structured that way a little bit more. Yeah. But when you're in it, it was Yeah, it was hard it was slow going. going for a while. But in retrospect, it's kind of like the first season of like Parks and Rec. Like <laughs> I will recognize it's that it's li- not the 
it's not the best season of Parks and Rec, yeah. but I still like to watch it because you yeah. get to see how far they come. Yeah. It's so. a labor of love. It comes exactly. through in the end. Yes. Um, yeah. Like. I don't want to talk about the ending yet. No, I know no, no, no. We won't gonna, get yes. there yet. Well, I, I will say, though, I've had my frustrations. Yeah. And I've had some of the best scenes from the series come out in this mm-hmm. for me and satisfying in more ways than one. I was going to say it's a very well-chosen word. Yeah. It was satisfying. There, there was a lot of satisfying moments where like finally things downloaded yes. and like came into fruition that we've been talking about for like ever. And so, yeah. so it was satisfying in that way. But also left us wanting for what the hell is going to happen next. Yes. But before we get into that. Well, I don't know how much of like my theories always make it onto the podcast. Because we talk about this stuff outside mm-hmm. of the podcast too. And so sometimes my memory is just a little hazy on what makes it in here and what makes it in our conversations. But one of my favorite things, and this isn't something we have to elaborate on. One of my favorite things is that we find out she's actually a goddess. And so it's one of those, it's another example, I guess, of Armin Trout using some of those kind of fun turns of phrases where mm-hmm. he's like, well, you look like a goddess to me. And like, yeah. you kind of want to vomit because it's so, he's just being romantic. But then it turns out it's true because yeah. based on how she was conceived, she is a goddess. Yeah. And so I, I, I love that she's still doing that. And you love that you were right. Absolutely. I always <laughs> love that. <laughs> I would thoughts. have to agree that this had some of my favorite moments, even when I was really frustrated with it. This is probably my second favorite so far. Mm-hmm. Um, the second book was really good, but I think my, like in order of favorites, it goes the first one and then this one. Just because... I, I guess I just have a problem with that whole, I love him, but he hates me. And then he thinking the same thing and they're just going around in circles and back and forth. Whereas this one, even when it gets so disgustingly romantic, it's still good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I agree. Yeah, and so I, I like that. Especially because we still get plot around it. Yeah, I think what a lot, what happens a lot in romance, because you have to keep the sexual suspense alive and when you have two people that get together in the first book it's really hard to like write that and in this case she chose to make it seem like oh they're pretending that was kind of the second book oh they're pretending and they hadn't really come home with the fact that they are in love with each other like we we know that they're in love with each other but they haven't like really admitted it to each other like uh, solidified that in the relationship and so this one they have already so we're kind of past that and I was actually quite satisfied I'm just gonna use that word a million times but like <laughs> I was just very satisfied with the romantic relationship paralleling with what was going on in the plot mm-hmm. really well that kind of brings me into like the th- kind of the main theme that I wanted to talk about which was the book is centralized around Poppy taking the crown essentially yes literally called the crown of gilded bones and 
as we know, we don't have to explain that this is POV. She's got her inner dialogue all the time running through, which is, I think, why the beginning of it was very chaotic as well. Yeah. We like to use Poppy's discombobulation as a reason why the writing is bad sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah. The ending of the first book was just really chaotic. And we're like, well, it's Poppy. She doesn't know. Like, we just think it's some psychological world that Armin Trout's trying to write. But I think it's just Armin Trout. Sometimes I do think that, like, it's a concerted effort. Yeah. Um, But I I think that might just be an issue that I have with that kind of first person perspective. Because then, like, if it wasn't acting, like, if it was supposed to be first person and she's not showing any kind of response, like, real response to these kinds of things that are happening, I would also not believe it. Yeah. It's done in such a way that I'm at least believing the weight of the kinds of things that are happening to her. Yeah. But the first part of the book is, I don't, like I said, I read it a couple months ago. She gets kidnapped a couple times. That was drawn out. That I feel was like they could have drawn out. They could have squeezed it into one kidnapping. Yeah. <laughs> one attempted killing. <laughs> one kidnapping, please. Yeah. Only one kidnapping per book, please. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of Outlander, where you're just like, oh my God, are they just going to get kidnapped? And like, like they're getting kidnapped like yeah. five times a book. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Like, like uh, can okay. we, like, go some... Can we do something so, else? The killing... And she never, like, gets to... raped. Like, you're just like... I know. That's the thing with mean... historical fiction. I'm like, uh, it just sucks because you just know... And I don't... And I was actually thinking about this today. I know this is kind of a side note. Total, like, dear side note. But, like, that, like, we can't just assume that people were getting raped all the time in, his- in history. But if yeah. you're a woman, it kind of did. Like, there's yeah, so many moments. Sometimes that happens. Not that we need to, like, talk about rape. But, like... Yeah, like, not not that we're, like, making light of it. But... No. She it gets was just... kidnapped so often that I'm like, why are the guys not creepier to her? That's something that genuinely happens. Yeah. Even Alistair was, like, creepy, but not in a sexual way. He was just a creepy old man. It's also something I don't see in fantasy a lot. And I think that's because yeah. they're they want kind of a lighter subject yeah there's there's definitely sexual abuse there's definitely like sexual abuse like i've read about yeah in fantasies like they address it but they're not going to live through it necessarily with you because they don't this isn't uh this is an this is meant to be a book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but like going back to the kidnappings, I think I wouldn't mind both kidnappings so much if they weren't both also assassination attempts. Because like by the time we get to the, the assassination attempt in the second kidnapping, I kind of just I didn't feel it was that stressful i guess like i was reading through it and it was like sad because she's dying and i was like but she's already almost died like four times <laughs> yeah yeah i don't quite well then she's not gonna believe die it. yeah it's like it was like what 150 pages in yeah like she's not gonna die i wonder if she was if armin trout was just worried about 
making the first part of the book a slump, so she added a lot of action. But every time she does an action thing, we have to talk about it. And that was something that was so, like, and, and when I mean we have to talk about it, like, Armand Trout, like, really talks about it. And, like, everyone talks about it. Like, you don't get to just let Poppy work through it in her head. Like, this is where, like, the writing is a bit, like, stodgy. Because she has these moments where she's, like, it's like a vomit. It's like a dump of of trying to figure out what's She has to process, as she says, I don't know how many times in this book, of just, like, Poppy processing it. Which I get it. But you don't have to say it. Show us. And you she, know what I mean? Don't did that tell. In the first show. Too. Yeah. We weren't, for the first and a second one, we weren't reading that she was processing. We were just reading her process. Yeah. Um, and I think one thing in her defense, because I, I wasn't nearly as bothered by that. I think that started to turn about as quickly as that was becoming an issue for me. So it didn't really bother me quite as much. Then again, I didn't read it twice, or I didn't I didn't read it over as long of a period as you did. People are so curious around her, they're trying to like get answers out of her. Because how many times does Castile ask her? Like so many times he asks her how she's doing and yeah. how she's processing things and how she's handling the latest development in her gift and shit like that. And I think for Poppy, she's just trying to let it happen, if that makes sense. Because yeah. they don't really know what she is. They're all trying yeah. to make guesses. They're no, all yeah, exactly. To, like, I don't. It. I don't have a problem with Poppy. I have a problem with how it was written. I guess, like, to get the point across that there's a lot of information and a lot that they're learning at once shouldn't feel as stressful to us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, that's fair. I I just genuinely wasn't that bothered by it when it came down yeah. to it because um, it was like they were talking about it, and then I like put the book down picked it back up thinking okay well maybe something will change and then it was just like that for like the next like quarter of the book and I was just like it didn't really start turning around until you met the king and queen which even then you had to like talk about some things there and process mm -hmm. so I would argue that the arc is just as much about her becoming queen as it is about her becoming a goddess because her being a god and her being queen are the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why you have to go through, unfortunately, all of those like processing conversations. Because yeah. her identity as a god is also rewriting their history. So like we we find out a little bit more about, I guess, the role of fate in this in their world, um, in a few ways. So you have the fact that Castile and his brother and Kieran used to wander the like the caves underneath the tunnels and they they found the way to get to Elysium which is like the land of the gods where the gods slumber and so we have this kind of precursor to that and then we've got her the progression of her gift which conveniently takes off around the same time that she meets Castile and then to slightly touch on the ending her mother had her so that she could marry Malik, the mm -hmm. prince, the crown prince of Atlantia, and then like take over because she knew that her blood would usurp any 
rule or any power that the Deniers had. But then fate intervened and she actually she actually married Castile, the other brother, and became actually loyal to Atlantia. And so her birth was orchestrated as an attempt to take over Atlantia as a queen and as a goddess. Like, take over as a queen because she was a goddess. Mm-hmm. And so when we're looking at this as her becoming queen, that's only possible because she is a goddess, which is what they spend the whole book trying to figure out. And then kind of going back to the whole, like, she's rewriting history, basically, is that her birth is only possible because of falsities in both countries' histories of what happened during the War of Two Kings. So her very existence disproves both sides' arguments. Mm-hmm. When Atlantia was attempting to use her to kind of undermine solaces, like the Ascended's dogma that they created, she had been born to try to subvert everything that Atlantia had tried to assert. And so her birth and like ascension to the throne is doing exactly what they had all planned, but not for the ends that they had all intended. Yeah, it's like kind of flipped. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes back to the general overarching between all three books theme here is Poppy discovering her own power. Whether it's like her internal power separate from her maiden identity and what that means for her to her ability to assert that identity. In power, power in the sense of like her, like not her powers, but. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 like, like her, her like power, power, power. Yeah. Her, like her, uh, her inner fire. Um, but then in book three, that becomes very much tied into her literal gift, her, her actual like God powers. Yeah. Especially as we see her use some of those darker parts, a little bit more free willing free willingly is that the word mm-hmm. okay <laughs> free willy free willy because at the end of book two she does that whole destroys all of her assassins with basically the thought and she's terrified of it and at the very beginning of book three when alistair is being a total asshole and trying to say that she's going to destroy the country and so he's doing this coup for the better of atlantia She promises herself that she'll, like, never be a monster. Like, he says that she will be. Mm -hmm. Fulfill the prophecy. Yeah, yeah. Which I have my opinions on that as well, which we can get into. But instead of just not using her powers ever, she quickly learns how to use them in a way that she feels okay doing. And in a way where she still has control. So when they get attacked by the unseen, that, like, brotherhood or whatever it is, on their way to Atlantia, she uses the powers to just like decimate, like, what is it, like two or three dozen of them that show up? Mm-hmm. Because she didn't want anyone that was with them to get hurt. And Castile tries to console her really quickly because he's like, you're fine, you're fine, because he knows how bad she feels about killing people sometimes. And she's immediately like, yeah, I know, I didn't want anyone to get hurt. And so I made sure no one got hurt. And right. so she doesn't feel bad about that. Which is a good contrast to the last scene of the sec, the mm-hmm. first book. The first? Second no, one. No, the second she... book, yeah, where she yeah. Um, rains blood and stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so her inner power at, in this one is becoming 
intertwined or like her inner power and passion and all of that that she spent the last two books figuring out for herself is becoming really tied together with her actual powers and her ability to control them. Yeah. It was a big part of the book. It was satisfying part of the book. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of ways that this happens, at least her coming into her own, right? That's kind of the mm-hmm. theme. I kind of really liked Castile's role. There's a few notes I had. So it was like, so, but Ca- because Castile gives her the choice, mm-hmm. which is the most important. Yeah. And there's a moment when she says, his faith in me touched a small insecure spot deep inside me that I wasn't sure I knew existed until that moment. A part of me that worried I asked too many questions, understood too little of the world, and that I was only stumbling from one shock to the next. But he was right. I was still standing. I was still dealing. I was strong. And I really like that this was addressed because it isn't just about what other people think. It's about how she thinks about herself. Mm-hmm. And you can see this change in the yeah. book. like Which is another reason why I think the beginning was the way that it was because she is stumbling a lot in the beginning but that changes and this happens when she speaks with the queen now remind me Castile's mother what is her name Eliana okay I think it's I just said Eliana in my head okay and then because the there's a, like there's Ileana. an Isbeth there's an Isbeth and then there's all these other I names and I just w- wish people would just use unique names <laughs> well i kind of wish that they came with like the phonetics next yeah. to the first time you see the name yeah exactly um, that little piece that she talks about that little self-conscious bit that she talks about we know by the end is gone yeah but i feel like that is the last piece of her being the maiden like the last sad piece of it the piece that doesn't like fuel her fire, the piece that still makes her feel bad about herself. Because when she was raised as the maiden, she was raised to think that she couldn't do all of these things. But then her, she doesn't come from the same life experience of just living a normal life. Her normal life was just being the maiden. And so when we talk also, the book is about her accepting her identity as a God, her throne and the crown. That means by the end of the book, she's pretty much fully shucked the maiden identity. Yeah. And I like that. I like that that was so clear. Yeah. So when she was talking to Queen Ileana, that's her name. It was like something, it clicked. That's when it like downloaded because there's a lot of stewing about it. And this like passage I read about her saying she's strong for like enduring all of this. There was a, there's a couple other moments where she's like she's processing and trying to figure out like does she want to be queen is she ready to be <laughs> queen is she being queen for the right reasons, and then um, the talk with Queen Ileana I think was one of the most important talks because a few things happen. Are you talking about the talk when they first get to Avamon when they meet the queen king and queen and then the queen takes her aside. Okay, okay. There's a moment where, so I'm reading this, and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa. Like, I don't know if you felt it, but it was when the queen asks her what her their plans are. And mm-hmm. then she's like, we're going to do this, 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 and this. And I think this, and this, and this. And, like, queen 
Poppy came out like yeah. nowhere. And I was like, whoa, okay, cool. I was like, it was really exciting. And, and I was happy to see that because we'd been, she'd been kind of, uh, you know, slowly getting there. And it was yeah. exciting to see her finally kind of get there. Kind of in light of what you were saying just a minute ago, Queen Eliana says this thing that's really interesting. She says, I'm sorry for everything that was forced upon you in your life, but honestly, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> that was really I, crazy. <laughs> I thought, so Queen Eliana is like really, really blunt, which I do enjoy. I don't like her, um, but I do enjoy her dialogue. I should say, I don't like her in a similar vein that I didn't like Alistair. Like not in that I think she's a poorly written character, but in that I think she's a very well-written character that I don't like. Poppy really needed that because mm -hmm. even into like the boat ride to Oak Ambler, Cass is like trying to kind of coddle her. Right. And he's getting better about not doing it. He's getting better about responding well when she calls him out about it. But he's still kind of dancing circles around her when stuff gets serious because he's scared. And the fact that his mom was fine just being like very blunt with her, not even just about that, but just like about mm, mm -hmm. what their plans actually are. I was like, that is exactly, that's why she was able to be Queen Poppy in that moment. Yeah. She, she needed, seriously. yeah, she needed to match that for mm -hmm. sure. But this, this kind of drives home your point, which was, she says that may sound cruel, but many have had horrific things forced upon them throughout their lives, their freedoms, their choices and their lives unfairly stripped away from them. Their tragedies are no greater than yours and yours is no greater than theirs. I am empathetic to what you have suffered, but you are a descendant of a God. And because of what you have experienced in your short life, you of all people can wear the weight of a crown. And mm -hmm. I think like that's kind of sums up the crown and the fact that she's a God like is inextricably tied <laughs> did yes. i say that yes what i love about that is that not only do we have the actual law that they have where her being a god at first a deity but later a god brings her claim to the throne higher than anybody else's but she takes that identity realizes that it's hers realizes that regardless of her heritage i guess you could argue it's her right by some kind of outside divine mm -hmm. fate intervention kind of thing. And she works for it. Mm -hmm. She makes the effort to be a better queen. I love the moment. So this isn't like a powers, this is a power moment. But when they finally make it to the capital and they show up in the throne room and his parents are waiting there and they're like, well, why do you want to be king and queen? You can't just do this and then leave once your plans are all done. And she's the one that's like, well, actually, here's what we're going to do. And you're going to deal with it. Yeah. I'm the rightful queen. And I was like, hell yeah. She fucking showed them. More than once, she snaps back at the parents. And I really like that. Oh, my God. The ending. <gasps> girl. Girl, don't. Oh. <laughs> When she's, I actually imagined the Ileana like on the floor and yeah. she's just like, 
towering over her just like bitch <laughs> like i was just like i but then i realized she was sitting down and i was like oh how anticlimactic it would have been so much I, better if she was like i kind of like, up on the floor i kind of like the image of them just like sitting across from each other and like yeah and really intense and poppy just having like a death stare mm-hmm. like when two people are at even levels and you can still tell that one has power over the other oof. yeah that was really good we can, we'll get more we'll into, get that into it once we'll get we, into uh, it. once we talk about that ending. So I'm just generally talking about Poppy coming into her own. Yeah. Not necessarily her powers. So, and this is when I was like, that was the best sex scene in, in the three books, in these books, it was the best sex scene for me. And there's a few reasons for this. One of them is because. Wait, what is the sex scene? So it's the scene, right? when they make their way to back to Spess's end because Ian's there. Mm. So there's a lot riding on like what's going to happen next. They're back at the castle and Spess's end and it's like familiar and everything. The sex scene starts out like most of their sex scenes, which is she's just like kind of limp yeah. <laughs> and she's just kind of like, takes it. She's like, <laughs> you know? Wow, what's happening? Yeah, she's just like, oh, like everything's just like a teenager. Yeah. Like each time. And believe me, I love it. So she's like against the wall and he's like caged her. His fingers are like trailing. I love and your word choice. Thank you. I should write my own erotica. Don't hold me to that, but I might. <laughs> um, there's like really good banter. And not like their normal banter. Like something feels different about this scene when I read it. It felt like it was more, they were more in tune with each other. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so much Castile's leading and she's just kind of saying, responding like she normally does, which is. Like, well, I think some of that is because by this point they've been together. Like by this point, they've fully admitted their love for each other. They're their relationship is functioning on a much more honest foundation than it has been previously. Yeah. And I think, so I think it's funny that we get this in a room where they've already had sex, but in Mm. a room where they were like, quote unquote, pretending. Yeah, exactly. And so we get that, that parallel. So so now we're back and it's like, it's a different story. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, I'm craving something, right? Honeydew. And so then it's like, he's already gone down on her like a few times. Yeah. Like in this book. You're like, okay. You know, because it's like, we've kind of already been there with you guys. Yeah. But then something clicks and she's like, but I want, I want him to feel what I'm feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's like this, like this switch. I think there is the pressure too of them realizing they might be walking into a trap because it's her brother. And so they're like, the ascended know that you're going to respond to your brother. They knew exactly how to get you out here. And so it's like a last day on earth situation. Exactly. So on some level, they're like, in case anything happens. Exactly. (laughs) There's so much lying on this like scene because Mm -hmm. you know that going into this. Yeah. Like, you know, the stakes are high. You know that she's dealing with something super personal, which is personal for Castile because it Mm -hmm. involves her and she might be in danger. And they're on the brink of war. Two and a half books to see Ian now. Like, I know. I was so convinced that. He hadn't ascended. And I think this was just me wanting the best for her. Yeah, Um, I know. But I was so convinced, like, no, 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 no. They just don't know what Ian looks like. So they think they're watching Ian, but they're actually watching somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. 
and they're saying like, oh yeah, I talked to Ian when he arrived. And I'm like, how would you even know it's actually Ian? You've never seen him. They don't have photographs. And so I was so hopeful that that wasn't yeah. going to be the case. That, that yeah. like, it was, it was a trap, but it was like a deeper and darker and more sinister trap than maybe we were expecting. Yeah. But it did kind of give that like the buildup for two and a half books to finally seeing Ian. Yeah. Situation felt very heavy. Yeah, cause yeah, cause he he was her last um, connection to who she was. Yeah. Um. But the scene, he's trailing his fingers. Whatever, things get hot <laughs> and heavy, and she goes and she says, "I wanted more, and I wanted this to be about both of us, not just me." And then all of a sudden, like queen poppy comes into the scene and he said she says maybe it was everything that had happened and what i could soon face maybe it was the heat of his mouth against me it could have simply been the fact that i needed him needed to remind both of us that no matter how tonight ended we were alive we were here together and nothing could ever change that so she just like pushes off the wall and he's just like i god just to see the look on his face he's still astounded at how strong she is now that she's yeah semi-ascended but but this isn't what she does in this state she hasn't Mm -hmm. done this yet where she's pushed him sex like sexually motivated not like out of like i'm gonna stab you like this is a different (laughs) thing yeah um and like backs him into the bed pushes him down and she's just like gets on top Mm -hmm. and they ride it's not just what's happening in the scene and oh like that's it's like poppy taking her own yes Mm -hmm. but it's also like an incredibly well-written scene because i read it and i was like i need to like i need to to put this book down (laughs) like i was just like oh my god and i think and i think all of it has to do with that it yeah there's the moment when they flip around Mm. And I'm not even looking at the book. This is like how, like I've read this more than once. So I just remember <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, so they, he gets all excited because she's on top and he's like, hell yeah. Because yeah. um, who doesn't love when the girl's on top? Yeah. And so he's all like, I love you and flips them over mm. so that she's taking it from behind. And then she's just like harder. And I was like, oh, yeah. <gasps> Yes. Oh, like because Poppy, because oh. we're all thinking it. We're all like yeah. saying it. <laughs> and I love that also like I'm, I'm, beside the fact that that is a normal thing to happen during sex once you've taken charge a little bit is that to get into some of the gritty, gritty details for those of you who haven't read just a heads up whenever they're having sex she or whenever like there's penetrative part of the sex she always talks about how big he feels like how there's like a little bit of pain at first so it's kind of like the assumption that he's got a big dick which yeah mad respects good on you poppy uh (laughs) (laughs) but then she's just she wants him so bad that she wants more of it like it's it's slightly painful but she still wants it and i respect that i i fully respect that Yep. Um, <laughs> there's there's that moment though when before they flip over, and I'm not 
sometimes the talking during sex can get really out of hand Mm -hmm. not or just not it's just not done well but I was so here for it when he says um should have known he said you'd love doing it like this and she goes I love I just love doing it I whispered with you and his hand slid to my rear cupping it as he as As he rocked me harder against him. Yeah, you do. And I was like, okay. yes, greedy little bitch. Yes. We got to stop right there because I don't know how much more of that scene I can take. I know. But my the point only- is, is that she is like, I like this. And then and then when he can like acknowledge, yeah, you do. Like, I was just like, okay, flip me over harder. Um, the only thing that could have possibly ruined that scene is that he uses the middle of them having like a really great mm. sex to weasel out this promise from her. Yeah. And I was like, you absolute bastard. Because then we have this great sex scene. And at the very end of the chapter, she talks about rolling over and all she can think about is the promise that she just made. And she doesn't know if she'll be able to keep. So nothing ever comes of that. No, it doesn't. And Which I'm is glad it frustrating. Doesn't. Well, it's like, but if you're going to do that, if you're going to ruin the scene, that's fair. Like, yeah. at least, at least, which tells me that something's going to happen in the next book and they're going to, like, reference this, which is Maybe. stupid because it's a different book. Well, I think the reason that I'm glad nothing came of it is because the I mean, I am glad. ends up being so stressful that I yeah. don't know what I could, I would have handled that. It was that on top of it. Yeah. My, okay, so that's, that's a really great sex scene. However, my favorite in the book is when they're at the wedding celebration Mm -hmm. and she takes him aside to give her first blowjob. Yeah. And I think the reason it's my favorite is because she had just spent like five minutes watching Kieran and Lyra. Mm -hmm. And she's so curious. Yeah. And she's so curious that her first response is to just go try it. She's just like, fuck this. Of course I want to try it. And I think, it definitely leads into because that's the the scene just the sex scene that you just brought up mm-hmm. follows the blowjob scene. Yeah, so it's like in, so like con- in concession, like in yeah succession, succession. Yes, thank you. yeah, yeah. So I think it's a nice kind of lead in. I like that those two scenes paired together. I should say. Yeah, I think they make a lot of sense, kind of as a a togetherness yeah because it's like her kneeling while he's standing up against the tree yeah yeah give it yeah giving him head like and she's letting him know what i'm doing because that's that's another thing that's going on in in their sex in this book Mm -hmm. is i'm in control Mm -hmm. i'm being responsible because they aren't gonna like take blood he's like Um, i'm in complete control right now yeah it's it's definitely double double speak right there because he's talking on the one hand about he's not going to be bloodthirsty he's yeah. not going to take too much but he's also talking about the fact that he's not letting he's, he hasn't let loose really well i was going to say he's also oh. talking about the fact that he's the dom in those situations he doesn't say it the time that we've just talked about he doesn't say he's in complete control when they do the blowjob he doesn't say he's in complete control when they have the sex and spaces end again before meeting ian he says it in every other scene though yeah and so he's also talking about the fact that he's the one that's in charge 
in control of the situation of yeah. them having sex. Yeah, that's, I like didn't really make that connection until now, which is like, oh, like they've been, he's been saying that. And then all of a sudden he hasn't been saying it. Why? Because then it like flips yep. and she it gets almost the invitation. And that was like such a good, like the wedding was such a good scene because it was like, uh, it was a good buildup because like they're dancing and yeah. we all know it's like sensual dancing probably. And then like everyone goes off to like do stuff and you, she's, observing while he's also like fingering her so yeah. she comes so she's already like Primed. feeling great she yeah. feels comfortable they're safe everyone's got getting their dick sucked it's a good night and then in double penetration and then, and then she's like well i want to not only does she want to try it but she wants castile to yeah. imbibe <laughs> like in <laughs> <laughs> in, in the ble- in the pleasure taking like and so she would like a taste yeah yeah especially because he's always talking about it in a taste way he always compares her vagina to honeydew and so he's already kind of set the stage i guess for the imbibing <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh, can you hold it there? I have to, I'm going to pee my pants. <laughs> Before we move on from the sex, I have to note one thing. Okay. Which we have touched on in a previous episode. <gasps> oh, okay. Great. That I was like, I, where he says, I definitely drink from here. He could, he could drink from there. I don't have any issue with any of those things. So he's talking about drinking blood and he's like touching her down there. Yeah. He and touches a few spots. He touches a few spots, but it was specifically talking about a certain kind of blood at a certain kind of way. Yep. I think it was alluding to that for sure, because yes. that is what a man would say who doesn't care would say, I don't have any issue with any of those things. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that's the statement that you have. Like, like we know he doesn't have an issue with blood because he yeah. drinks it. And so why would he be saying that specifically? And he's already drank her fluids down there. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> this, is, um, this is why this is really hard to talk about because there is no <laughs> vocabulary. Um, he's already, he's already like, drank her honeydew or whatever so it's like what is he what would he have an issue with right so that's yeah exactly what you're saying yeah um i was do super like- happy about that because i think every i don't think a woman should ever have to forego sex because they're on their period i think that's oh, fucking yeah. bullshit that's what towels and, and showers any, are for exactly if any man tells you differently tell them to go fuck themselves that man's a bitch yeah. Can't handle blood. Yeah. Have him speak with Castile. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that he tends to drink more from her boob in this one. I think because, I mean, it has a very almost literal connection with like the term love bite, mm. which is a really sweet way of saying hickey. Right. 
And there's something kind of juvenile about having a hickey on your neck, but there's something a little more adult about having a yeah. hickey on your boobs. Yeah. Especially after he has the whole, I could drink from here. Because he does point out, he, it feels like friends when she's point, when Monica points out the erogenous zones. Yes. Like he goes all through all seven. He goes through all seven erogenous zones and he tells her all the places he could drink from. And then he chooses one and he, he sticks with it. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I would have preferred to see more of seven, but. More of seven. Seven. Wait, seven is. Yeah. The vagina. Well, doesn't he bite her on, down there? No. He scrapes her once. Right. Because he's in control. He, because he can't go out. Of, he can't total control. He can't get out of control because they're low on blood or whatever. Yeah. Because they've combined have about one person worth of blood at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also okay. So kind of branching off of this, actually, I did want to talk about Castile's regression because it's not just in that last scene. We definitely mm. get a mm -hmm. bit of foreshadowing with it because it seems to come up for him a lot more now that they're being honest with each other and they don't really have quite as many threats against them. Like after the second assassination attempt and we know that her powers are a lot bigger than we ever or they ever anticipated, the threats are kind of more political than literally deadly, you know? Mm -hmm. So... Now, without those constant life or death threats, they're they're not having quite as much last day on earth sex. They're having more, yeah, power taking sex, more exploring each other's sex in fun ways. Mm -hmm. um, especially Miss Willa. I do want to talk about Miss Willa. Let me oh, talk. Yes, they're having more relational sex, and what comes out in these moments because they're being more intimate, sometimes a little vulnerable is that we're seeing more of the ways in which Castile lives with his trauma the same way that she used to. I think what we're seeing here is that she, Poppy, had a much more explicit track away from being the maiden. She mm -hmm. was never convinced of being the maiden. And so she didn't have to unconvince herself of that identity. She just had to kind of come to terms with it and assert it. Whereas the kind of abuse and manipulation that we do realize, we see a little inkling of later on, that he went through for, what was it, like 50 years, 70 years or something? Yeah. He's on a whole different level. And he, him leaving that situation isn't going to suddenly cure that manipulation, that abuse, the same way that it might for her. Because it was much more ingrained and beat into him. It wasn't done to serve some grander purpose. He admits that like he lost his identity. In the the, the boat scene, the boat sex scene, mm -hmm. just before we meet Queen Ileana slash Isbeth slash what a bitch. He talks about how the reason he likes to hear her say his name to say Cass is because when he came back, there were moments when he would still feel like a thing. And he didn't talk to his family or his mm -hmm. friends about it. He, was, he even had, he says that Kieran was probably the only one that knew what he was dealing with. But if anyone, like his mom would call him Hawk or his dad would call him Cass, Kieran would call him Cass, he would suddenly 
stopped dissociating basically. Mm -hmm. And so he wasn't put in a situation where he was able to break through that trauma the same way that she was. And I know it's all priming us to feel really sad when he, when he gets kidnapped. Not that we wouldn't have felt sad otherwise, but we know the real weight of what's just happened. Yeah, exactly. And so then his constant reassurance, that phrase, I'm in total control, I'm in complete control, mm. then feels like there's this almost third layer mm -hmm. where he's talking about not feeling like a thing. Yeah. I didn't notice that, but that does add to, like, one of my points for this book, which was Castile feeling worthy. Mm-hmm. It definitely ties into that. Like, there's that scene on page 294 where he slightly opens up about feeling like she senses shame from him, but then he doesn't elaborate. And then you wonder, yeah. because he addresses the fact... So she says something along the lines, like, you are worthy of me, because she mm -hmm. felt like he didn't n seem to feel that. Mm -hmm. And and she's right. Yeah. No, yeah. And then he is like, well, sometimes I wonder about all of the things I've done to you, like lied to you and stuff like that. And she, of course, she says, like, that's all in the past, like, mm -hmm. you know. So that's all fine. But then she still feels shame from him. And so then there's this, she wants to ask him about it. And it literally, it's something completely different than what she's, he's done to her. It's, yeah. it's, there's something else going on and they don't elaborate. He doesn't talk more about it. Instead, they just like, I think it's like she's sitting in his lap or something and they just like mm -hmm. sit there um, and hold each other. Was during one of their discussions about whether they were going to take the thrones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's how it kind of came up. But it was it was like the shame that came up, mm -hmm. the situation that came up, and then it got tucked away. And then we're like, I'm curious. So I'm curious to see if that's going to come back into the next book. Like if I, we're just going to be able to hear more of his experiences and like. I guarantee you it is. Yeah. Because. What we've come to realize then is that that shame stems from the sexual abuse that he experienced at the hands of Isbeth, aka her mother. And I mean, that's that's a normal response for victims of sexual violence is to feel shame. Yeah. And so I'm glad that the story is being honest to that experience. Right. And that it wasn't something that was kind of dismissed because we talked about poppy has a habit of kind of info dumping herself and i think part of that is the fact that she doesn't really know how to have friends there's a couple of times when she's really awkward about it like mm -hmm. she just blurts out at vanetta when she's like we're friends right <laughs> and everyone's like this is weird um but in the same vein castile's response to this kind of stuff is just to shut down and have sex yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and so we get an actual slow progression of him carving out some more of that wall that he's built around it. Yeah. And trying to be honest with her. And in this sex scene, we have another kind of last day on earth situation because they're about to meet the queen. Mm -hmm. They think that they've got the upper hand. Right. 
but it's still going to be scary. They still have to see if their plan is actually going to pan out. And he's going to see the woman who abused him for several decades. Yeah. So even if they have the upper hand, he's still going in at a handicap. I think, like you were saying earlier, with the shame coming from like his sexual trauma, I think the flip has been made to where now Poppy is rising up to be Castile's strength. Yes. She changes the banners. Yeah. So that the arrow and the sword are equal. And I think the one that was lower was the one that symbolized Castile. That was made clear at the end, like with his father or something. She's like, I realized I was the arrow. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck yeah. Because I love it because the sex scenes also like paralleling this. You have like Poppy like taking more control. And so I'm excited to see where the next book goes, where we might be able to address that more and have like him have some vulnerable and healing moments and letting her just kind of like you know, pet his head on her, her lap. Like, <laughs> I, I do not say this lightly. If he is not rescued within the first three quarters of the next book, <laughs> I will personally walk to Armin Trout's house and request a rewrite. <laughs> I won't need to finish the book I'm walking if I yeah. reach page whatever and he hasn't been rescued yet. Yeah. Um, no, I am, I am glad that we're exploring him a little bit more because... Something that I said at the very beginning, and I stand by this, is that their characters are much more fleshed out. Mm -hmm. And so I think another reason that maybe the beginning felt drawn out is because we've explored a lot of the really deep stuff with Poppy. Mm -hmm. But we're just getting that with Castile. And so, like, don't quote me on this. I'm pretty sure on her... Uh, Armin Trout's Instagram, she talked about how we're going to get a few chapters from Castile's point of view in the yeah. next book. I'm so excited. Yeah, and that's that's really exciting because we get the same story, which is a beautiful story. I love this plot and this story and their their journey together. But then getting it from his point of view is going to be like starting all over in a really good way, not in yeah. like a not in a regressive kind of way, but in a, we're going to get some fresh blood going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think she's opened it up really well for that exploration next time around. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about a fun topic. I want to talk about Miss Willa. Okay. Miss Willa. I want to be her when I grow up. I do too. I just, I want her to be like... Again, something that I don't know if I mentioned in the podcast, but we've talked about before, was that I was very excited from meeting what we now know as Willa at the Red Pearl to find out who that woman was. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it ended up being Willa Collins who led her to Castile, it feels like another example of fate because they end up finding her journal, her diary. And that becomes this running gag for them. Yeah. But also a bit of a research book for them as they explore Poppy's sexuality a little bit more extensively. And the fact that Willa unabashedly follows Poppy from day one of them announcing their claim to the throne and taking that and everything, I think is really 
important to Poppy having a, like a positive female role model almost. Yeah, because she like, hasn't she had like, one. She acts she has starstruck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's like a fan of Willa. And then they're in the council and Willa is openly showing support for her. Mm-hmm. She's what she has this line where she says that Willa Willa rolled her eyes or something. Yeah, yeah she like dramatically rolled her eyes at Lord Grigori because he was saying nonsense, irrelevant yeah. nonsense. And the fact that she knew that Willa supported her helped her. Yeah. And so I love that. Like, because who have been her female role models up to date? One, the queen who she has now figured out is actually terrible. And she's come to terms with the fact that the image she has of Queen Ileana, or sorry, Queen Ileana is not the one that she grew up with. Two, Duchess Tierman, who was passive at best when she was growing up and then actively terrible at the battle. And then three, Queen Eliana, who's not entirely warmed up to her yet. Like their dynamic is different because she's succeeding her. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that she's just got somebody supporting her and somebody who's thousands of years old, like Mm -hmm. Willow rolls her eyes and then she has this line Lord Gregory says, that is an extremely optimistic and naive outlook on the Ascended. And Willa just looks at him and straight up, she's like, I'd rather be optimistic than bigoted and closed-minded, but I'm never naive. I have more than a thousand years on you. And I was like, she could have ended right there and I would have openly cheered for her. But then she goes on and she says, consider that before you speak so ignorantly and maybe you will save yourself future embarrassment. And my jaw literally dropped. Yeah, and then Poppy's like, I I really liked Willa. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Because she didn't have to explicitly say that she was supporting Poppy when she was saying this, but she pushed him down so many notches that you'd have to be a fool to follow Mm -hmm. him in that meeting afterwards. And so I just love that Willa steps up. I also love that like Castile is star- starstruck as well. Yes. He's like <laughs> he's like like he is speechless. Yeah, he's I feel like he supports and he's a fan in a more academic sense than yeah. Poppy is. He's like I have many questions internally, just thinking yeah. I have many questions and I'd like the details. Whereas Poppy's like, "Oh my god." Yeah. It's Willa Collins. Yeah. Which I'm going to be honest, if I was in this situation, I'd be more like Poppy. Yeah. I wouldn't know what to say. Yeah. Especially after Willa's like, and I know you have a lot of questions about my diary because she's a seer. Yeah. And so she knows. And Poppy's just like, oh my God, she knows that I have her diary. (laughs) (laughs) This was a theory that we were discussing in the middle of reading we were on messenger or whatever mm-hmm. and it was before willa i guess in the big be- semi beginning of the book it's mentioned that she's in the council yeah like she kind of comes up and i remember being like willa like in the messages yeah. being like oh my god i think close to that too is that castile has the theory that she's an atlantean because there's a line from one of her chapters where she talks about like 
mm. our special bites or our special kisses or something right. like that. And so we're our, like me and you were already buzzing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were so excited. And then, and then I was think I was thinking like, cause we were just talking about the shadow and the ember, like coming out like mm-hmm. the, um, plot adjacent book or world adjacent book. And she, and I was like, what if Willa was the first maiden? Because her journal is in there. Yeah. Like it would make, like, why else would her journal be there? Um, and she's a thousand years old. <laughs> like she's thousands of years old. It could have been yeah. her. So that is a theory I have. But I didn't know. I didn't think Shadow in the Ember. Is that it? Yeah. Is that about the first maiden? It's somebody who is given a similar title and so maybe it's but the thing is okay it's somebody who's given a similar title i guess in the little blurb but they're dealing with primals what is that and so they're dealing with things before even the gods right and so this is way way old and i think that was another part that is still in my opinion not really decided in book three and that's whether or not the first maiden actually existed right i think it's arguably still possible and what's her name isbeth this kind of point blank says that she didn't but isbeth also isn't that old she's got such a inflated sense of importance Mm -hmm. just because malik fell in love with her and she tries to claim that she knows all the real answers. And I'm like, okay, I've already gotten that now from like four different people and they were all wrong about something. So mm-hmm. don't shoot me if I don't believe you. Yeah. And plus she has a much bigger agenda at hand than I think the other liars did. Like she designed the dogma and the, the institution yeah. that holds up the ascended. So sue me for not believing you, but you have you don't exactly have the best track record yeah and so i'm still of the belief that the first maiden was a real person because it would have been easier for her to instate that dogma if it had already existed at some point yeah like you can't just be like we have a maiden yeah we have a maiden and this is what it means like that doesn't happen in 18 years yeah um not that i think she's stupid but i think i think she's an average level of an intelligence, but she's very powerful. And that's why she's gotten away with things. So I agree. I don't think she'd be able to come up with something like that out of thin air. Yeah. Um, but she can use it for her. Yeah, advance. exactly. Exactly. So you had an issue. Okay. Yes. Let's clear this up. There's, what are the queen's names again? So the queen, okay. Castile's mother is Ileana. I-L-E-A. No. Eliana. Where Isbeth is Ileana. Jesus. I know. I I do think I do think that was a move on Isbeth's part to Right, to like reclaim the to to steal more. Because she acts all innocent like they were heartmates. And honestly, Malik does not seem like a great guy. So I can't imagine the pure of heart being a heartmate to Malik. Not only not only do we have an Eliana Eliana situation, we have a Malik and a and Malik. Malik. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Yeah. I get it. Whatever. 
Yeah, and she's, it's there's probably a reason for it, but well, they talked about it in book two a little bit between Castile and Poppy, where she's like, "So does she just still love him?" And Castile's kind of like, "I mean, maybe in some way she still loves Malik, and that's why his name is Malik." Mm-hmm. Um, but now in hindsight, so do we want to talk about the ma- the major lie that turns the entire plot? Wait, yeah, let's do it. Okay. So the lie is that she conveniently forgets to mention that Isbeth is Queen Ileana and she is not an ascended. She was ascended by, and I use the term, she's not a vampire. She was ascended by a god and therefore is something else entirely. She believes herself to be a deity, but we know mm-hmm. from the Draken, Nectus, and Elysium that she's not really a deity. She's kind of this bastardization of mm-hmm. what a deity could be. Well, and the gods, the gods describe it as like being un. Like, what do, they describe it as being like un, something abominable. Yeah, yeah abominable. Yeah. Um, as well as the revenants. Yep, and so I do think it's funny that you have this army of abominations of life and death led by. An abomination of life and death. Yeah. Um, but it is Queen Eliana not telling them this that mm-hmm. essentially leads to that entire meeting turning to shit. Castile gets kidnapped because they don't know that Isbeth has these abilities, that Isbeth is Isbeth. And so every time that they were like, well, Isbeth can't be your grandmother because she can't have kids. Or sorry, Ileana, the queen can't be your grandmother because she's a vampire. She can't have kids. Eliana knew that was false and she didn't say anything. Yes, she didn't know her enough maybe in the first meeting that they have alone, the one that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. to have talked to her about that. But there was plenty of other opportunities when that fact should have come up, when they were planning this yeah. entire brigade. And that did not come up. And so Castile doesn't know, even though he was held by her for years, he doesn't know, which kind of shows just how bad I think his condition was while he was in their uh, control. Had he fully, because knowing something and then knowing it's true aren't really the same thing. Mm -hmm. But if he'd been able to fully realize that she wasn't a vampire, and that she needed Poppy, he would not have given himself up like that. But he immediately went back into the kind of fear space that she'd created when she was his captor. Yeah, which is I'll give you anything. Yep, he, that was his I'll immediate give you response. Myself. Yeah. Because that's what she she'd done to him and that would not have happened if they'd known what they were getting themselves into and so eliana should 100 percent blame herself i do not have any pity for her no i don't either i remember really liking castile's mother at first and Same. i do and i agree i i like her um she's well written mm-hmm. and i thought valen and hisa were the problem which they might still be, which is another one of my. Um, I find it theories. odd that Hisa was so quick to just join. Yeah, exactly. With, yeah, they, yeah so, like yeah. I was like, oh, why is she there? 
Um, and also Valen's like emotional like wall. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the meeting with the parents was very like, like everyone was so nervous, like something's going to happen. And it's like, you guys aren't at war with yourselves. Like, yeah. Like I was like, what is the big deal? And I guess like Poppy's only issue was like, oh, they're, they're not going to think I'm worthy of the crown because of like, you know, my history as like the maiden. And am I like, like there's all that situation. They shouldn't have an issue with Castile. I don't know what kind of issue they would have with Castile. And then, and so far Poppy and Castile don't necessarily have any issues with them. So I'm like, what is the big deal? But yet there seems to be this tension guard up about everything. Exactly. And so, well, I, I definitely think the fallout of Eliana was one part of it. Mm-hmm. That I think King Valen comes off as really guarded and emotionally like walled and mm-hmm. kind of never really talks to Poppy ever. So then you're like, what's going on? And you don't really hear the conversation he had with uh, Castile. So you think he's up to something. So it's almost like a red herring situation. And then really the problem is what's right in front of us, which is Eliana's lie. But I do think the King Valen and he said thing is going to come back. I have a feeling that there was more, there's more going on there because we haven't really seen who Valen is. Yeah. Agreed. Even even though I low key want to fuck him. (laughs) That was so offhand. I know. Threw that at me. I did. Like, how am I supposed to? Wasn't that so good? <laughs> it was. It was really, really well done. Um, I do agree 100% with that last statement. Um, so, the reason I wanted to talk about the Queen's Lie is because the way the story's framed so far is that we find out at the end of book one that everything is a lie mm-hmm. and that Atlantia has been rebuilding. Here's the true history. And I knew this was kind of stuff was going to come up because anybody claiming to have the true history is also lying on some level, whether they know it or not. Yeah. The fact that Eliana's defense for not being honest about the situation is that she was embarrassed because she stole everything or because Isbeth stole everything. She stole her husband. When she becomes ascended, she becomes a, a bastard version, but like a deity. And so her claim to the throne is higher. Mm-hmm. She steals the fact that they didn't have any children yet. And so Isbeth has the firstborn, which they kill. So then the fact that Isbeth stole a version of Eliana's name, but Eliana stole Malik's name. Yeah. And so these queens are doing the same thing for different reasons and while we know that i'm just gonna say it eliana is weaker than isbeth yeah in the public eye it doesn't look any different and eliana knows that and that's (laughs) that's why she tries to stop the war because she knows that if the war happens all of that's going to come out and she's going to look like just as much of a bad person as isbeth was and is yeah, I like I like that it summed it up at the end real good, which was like, no, yeah, this was just personal. Yeah. This fucking war. Yeah. So dumb. So then in conjunction with this 
whole thing is the extremely satisfying scene when Poppy finally makes it home and home to uh, Atlantia, the capital, and basically verbally punches Lord Grigori in the face. Yeah. And then turns to all of the guards and tells them to get out because they aren't going to want to hear what Eliana is about to deal with. She was like, you don't want what we're going to talk about to get out. Yeah. You don't want them to hear it because of what you did. And she's such a queen in that moment. Mm -hmm. Like, colloquial version of like, yes, queen. Like, also also thinking politically about what's happening in this room. She's owning that crown. Yeah. So hardcore. I know. I love it so much. I'm so sad that it came kind of at the expense of Castile. I know. Being kidnapped. Um, But. Oh, and she couldn't go into the shower. I know. I know. Showers are nice. Um, (laughs) A multi-head shower girl? That on its own. I was like, I don't even need the sex scenes. Just describe in detail getting hit by three different shower heads and I'm good. The force. And I don't mean like her gift, her powers, but Mm -hmm. like the force of her power, the force of how much she owns that room as she's telling Aliana how fucking terrible it was of what she did is satisfying. Chef's kiss. Yes. Yes. Well, and I was thinking too, there is that moment, I know we're kind of backtracking here, but at the council where she says to herself, anxiety hummed in my chest as I studied him. A year ago, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to find the courage to ask such a question. Six months ago, I might have accepted that what I knew was only half the answer. Today, I didn't. So it was like, there was like this shift where she became queen, like in the political, in the room, became the queen. Yes. Where she was like, I'm no longer going to ask questions, you know. But this was when it like sank in. And so then it makes the next, the these ending scenes seem less like an emotional yes. roller coaster and more of like a, nope, this is what happens when you fucking piss the queen off. Yes. <laughs> because she's es- the queen. Especially full circle to our original discussion, which is like, is her arc or the what is her arc? By this point, her identity is queen and her grasp of her abilities is so strong she has this moment in the tunnels on the way to Elysium where she's like wouldn't it be great if my powers could actually do this and then she thinks well why can't they and so she just imagines lifting Netta Mm -hmm. out of this chasm that's formed and I think that was a huge moment for the, for this whole arc that we're yeah, talking yeah. about. So then she gets to the end with the scene and the dragons, and they're sending the message by killing King Jalara. And she's in control. She knows what she needs to do as a granddaughter of the king of the gods, Nyctos, and as the queen of this nation who needs to get back her king, not just as a political thing mm-hmm. because they're about to go into war and it is kind of a a low move to be starting without one of your major 
rulers, but because it's her fucking heart, mate. She's yeah. not about to go into war without him. Yeah. Um, I love, too, that when Nikto says, you always had the power within you. And I think uh, that, that was also the statement that drove it home for her. Because yeah. that's that's what gave her the idea. Oh, I could have just taken the Drakens. Yep. Like, I am a god. And I, I think she didn't hoping... quite know. She, she didn't quite know she was a god yet at that point. Though, yeah. Because exactly. it wasn't until af- until she went to Isbeth and Isbeth. I don't know. She got some quite. She got some questions answered. Process of elimination. Realizing Malik wasn't her dad. Nyctos mm-hmm. was. No. At the time, she phrased it in a way that made it seem like Malik was her dad. But then it's not until not she goes back to the uh, to the Drakens to get them that yeah. they're like, well, no, you have to get Malik's twin back. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, that was Malik's twin. Oh, my God, that's my dad. Yeah. So I'm uh, excited to find them in the next book. Yes. Get, get the gods involved. Yes. <laughs> I guess kind of slightly unrelated to this is when he tells her that I was so convinced that she was going to be able to shapeshift. And I, I still feel like that might happen because in the same way that she's always, she previously was always like, but I'm not a goddess, but I'm not a princess. Like she kept saying these things. Mm-hmm. She keeps making side internal comments about like, too bad I couldn't shapeshift. I guess I'm not that special. And I'm like, anytime you say you can't do something, you suddenly find that you can do it. Yeah, exactly. And so I feel like it's not Foreshadow. a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because the man that we now know to be her father can shapeshift. Yeah. I'm curious why he's always a cat. But I'm, that's just a general thing that I'm excited to see kind of answered maybe. Because he was in the cage with the bones. He was in the cage and there was a moment when he became like he was shaping in and out. Yeah. But it was because he was like. Him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think there's some kind of, well, well, there's what Alistair had, which was those things that made, made her, dulled her powers. Yeah. So I'm wondering so, if he has the same kind of chains on him. It's not the change, it's the cage itself, I think. Is yeah, it is. I mean, like, some, it's a yeah. shadow bone. It was or, the bone of deities. Yeah, it's some kind of thing. And... So would that mean that his true form then is the cat? Maybe it's what he was in when he got caught. Maybe. That would make sense too. We don't know. We have to yeah. wait a whole fucking year now. It's uh, fun to speculate. It's even more fun when I know I'm going to be right, but I don't know this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just get to dwell on it for the next... 10 months-ish. One more thing. Yes. Kieran and Tawny? Yes. I, I like that they saw opened that it up slightly. Lyra conveniently fell out of the equation. I know. They were just like, here's Lyra. She's fun. And now she's dead. <laughs> um, real quick. Real quick. <laughs> I kind of had a feeling, because we weren't getting that attached to her, that she was going to be a throwaway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because uh, there was no relationship forming with Poppy, which is our only yeah. point of view, so it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. But then he was the one who was there when she was checking on Tawny. 
yeah later when they get to the capital which i like yeah um i do want to talk about kieran though yes. because her relationship with kieran for a very obvious reason for the fact that they're all bonded to her now her relationship with kieran grows so sweet <laughs> over the so book we've we've talked we've been talking for hours and we've been laughing really hard today so i'm all giggly um no it's it happens i know i'm hilarious you so. are hilarious okay thank you i hope our greedy readers <laughs> agree greedy with you. <laughs> um okay hold on i i've definitely got to start over now because i've completely yeah. lost my mind. hold on hold on um his relationship with Poppy grows so much over this next book, which is an, another reason or another, I guess, foreshadowing of what was about to happen with Castile. But there's this moment, I feel like it was before they were about to meet in Oak Ambler or before they were leaving or something where Castile is holding one side of her face and like, telling her it's okay and they're yeah. gonna be okay and then kieran comes up and holds the other side of his her face yeah and reconfirms he's like you're strong you have this and i think the mental image of that was so heartwarming to to use a very cliche term yeah just because if that had happened in the last book she would have been like, why the fuck are you touching my face? But they've grown yeah. so much together after everything that's happened. Because he was the one that unstrapped her from the slab when they were trying to give her back to the Ascended. Yeah. Well, and, He was the yeah. one that was there when she woke up and she had blood bloodlust. And and she essentially attacked him. Yeah. Um, and then her and Castile get it get it on and get off and he's in the room isn't he in the yeah. room for that yeah he and is for then, the beginning. yeah and then because i agree there's definitely a success like there's a growing sense of intimacy that he yes she has with him that's not necessarily sexual um i was kind of hoping it was because we never did get our threesome um not yet don't never say yet. never We've i know got more books. i know i and i agree i think it needed more time and and i think yes. we're, we're almost we're there almost we're about yeah. there um because there's also that scene after the unseen come and attack um kira kira's and jasper's place that they're staying yes. at um in science cove and it's uh they come back in and they're all covered in purple jizz <laughs> yeah so like not, not weird... jizz but that was the word that i used when we were talking about it last <laughs> I, it's just purple blood or whatever from these it's weird just like non-creatures use a terrible word it's like fluids because they're yeah. not really alive like it's very vaguely blood like it's kind of blood it's the concept yeah. of blood yeah um so i'm gonna but oil. it's like they're showering together yeah exactly and it's not sexual they're just having a conversation and he's just like taking his clothes off and showering and they're trying to like discuss what happened and what's going yeah. on and, and it was I just liked... very like casual and intimate yes they specify kind of the moment that he leaves and she starts to get undressed mm -hmm. but this is the first time that she sees him naked and she's not averting her eyes out of 
modesty and everything. Right. It's a very by this point, it's a very natural thing. And, for her but she's experience. also seen him naked a lot because he's a wolven. Yeah, no, but that's that's what I mean though. Like by yeah. this point, she's just so. So this was the first time to it. Yep. And I and, liked how natural that scene was. Yeah. And then there was that scene where they're like trying to figure out if he can hear her. If they can actually like. And she can hear, hear him each other, yeah. like through the line or whatever. And there's I there's this point where it says we were so like they were like asking each other questions and like concentrating and they were like so close. Yeah. That there was like not a hair like between them. So it was like they're just getting closer. And then there was another I can't remember exactly what point it was, but there's a point where she like grabs a strand of her hair and puts it behind her ear. Like, just these little, like, like, intimate moments. And I was just like, I am so in love with this. Like, I love Kieran. Yes. One thing that I really like about this is that there's never a moment where Castile feels jealous or, like, possessive of her over him, over Kieran. And I think that goes back to the fact that they were bonded for, what, like, 200, Mm -hmm. 300 years? Yeah, absolutely. And... So when he sees Kieran being intimate with her, he sees his best friend opening up. Yeah. And I think that's really, because he, when he sees those moments, he can see the strength of their bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is what he wants for yeah. Kieran and Poppy. He wants them to have mm-hmm. a strong bond. and Yeah. Because I think if it weren't for her having the the power and bond with all the wolven, they would have done a joining at some point. Yeah. I think they still could. But they, this time, they definitely still could. And I think they will. The tables um, have turned. Yeah. It's not as urgent. Yeah. Oh, there was that scene where... She was sending a message to King Jalara. Oh. Of King Jalara? Yes. And I couldn't help but see a little Khaleesi. Yes. Moment where she burns the... There's that moment when Tyrion's on her side. um, When Daenerys burns like the... I don't even remember. But he burns like the father and the son of like the land. Um... It was Sam. a Sam's, Charlie's, yeah, Sam's. Charlie's father and brother. Yep. Charlie's father and brother. And Tyrion's like, this is a bad idea. But in this case, I was like, this is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I was like. It feels narratively like we're getting a better Khaleesi outcome. Yes. And this is no comment on George R. R. Martin. Because no. I'm talking about everything that's been ha- that's happened on the show post what's been published. Yeah. But the fact that they call her their Lisa like yes yes they've and got it was... this other name for her being this prophesied queen mm-hmm. and then the dragon imagery like you can't get past that no. she has the power in her to command these dragons and she's not doing it she has the control. blood of the dragon <laughs> yeah she's not doing it as a form of control she's very adamant about the fact that she just wants their assistance she wants them to aid her at her side she wants what's hers yeah. And I love that we're going to get a better 
version of that. Yeah, because, because Poppy will did... never, yeah, Poppy will never resort to madness like that. Yeah. And if she does, I firmly believe Armin Trout would go deeper into playing that out than we got with We would, we Paris. would, we would go with her. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious to see how the revenants play into Atlantia's new plan. Because it's clear that they are not mindless, emotionless yeah. assholes like the Ascended, the Vampires are. They've got emotions. The girl that we meet when we have the meeting where we learn Isbeth and everything, she clearly didn't like dying. But Isbeth yeah. also clearly uses her as an example of their power all the time. And when they have the conversation between that Revenant and Poppy after Poppy kind of explodes. Yeah. You can see a hesitation in the Revenant that I'm curious about how far into their ranks that goes. Because there is this sense almost that they wouldn't exist the way that they do and the power that they have without what Isbeth has given them. Right. But she also clearly doesn't support it because she has that line where she says, oh, you're all the same. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to stop her, not because of protecting them. She even admits, she's like, they're all gone, but you're hurting inter- innocent people. And so it's almost like she was putting on a show of like the crazy when they were in the castle. But when it came to her just protecting people, she was being normal. She was acting like a real person. Yeah. And then to like to kind of further that, we find out that the woman who... Poppy believed to be her mother was a revenant. And so a handmaiden. They're the same thing. They are the same thing. That's what that just yeah. concluded. All right. Yeah. And see, so see how well I pick up on things. <laughs> <laughs> well, her mom explicitly defied the queen. She explicitly defied and tried to kidnap mm-hmm. essentially then she tried to kidnap Poppy so that way she could free her from this disgusting situation that she'd been born for. So I'm curious to see how the Revenants play into their plans and then also how the Revenants play out, period, in the next book. Yeah. I wonder if they their life is linked to Isbeth's. Or Malik's, because they talked about needing the blood mm. of a king or someone destined to be king Mm -hmm. in order to do it and so now that they've got castile they can continue making yeah which also begs the question what's going to happen to malik now because he can't marry her because she's already married to castile and he's no longer a king or destined to be king like what is she what is he good for for her yeah and then he he he's not a total idiot Mm -mm. so i guarantee you He's already realized he can't go back to Atlantia. And we already that's already clear because King Va- or former King Dallin told her when she was on her way to send her message, if you see my son, make his death a swift one. Yeah. I think what happened to Malik was so much worse than anything they could have anticipated. Yeah. He was just a willing participant and that broke my heart. Yeah. He was the one who got Castile. 
Yeah. And that's going to fuck with Castile's head for sure. Oh, yeah. So then ending that on a lot of questions, which will hopefully get answered or at least slightly answered in the next book, which is The War of Two Queens, recently announced. And that'll be coming out on March 15th of 2022. Yeah, I think what's going to happen is they're going to answer some and then give us more questions. Questions. Yes. Usually always happens with these books. Yep. All right, greedy readers. Do you like that? Do you like that? We were thinking of a good name for you. For like the people who listen, for the people who love to read, for the people who love the sex the the smut that's all we have for a crown of built gilded bones until the next book comes out we won't get to see or hear from poppy or castile or kieran it's it's just gonna stress me out every day until then i know we're in we're in our morning yeah (laughs) clothes now I'm wearing somehow more black than usual. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you'd like a distraction from this one, then you can join us next week when we talk about Serpent and Dove. Yes, our next series. We just finished our first series of the podcast from mm-hmm. Blood and Ash. And now we're entering into Serpent and Dove's series by Shelby Meherin. And we're so excited. It's we're such especially a fun excited. World. Yes, and we're excited to do this kind of along with the release of the third book. Yes. The completion of that trilogy. I think we only have a week to read it. We'll be fine. We have a week to read it, record, and edit. It's going to be a... It's going to be a rushed one, one, folks. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be fun. I'm excited because I think everyone's going to be buzzing about it. It's going to be... It's always exciting to do... It's like... When people watch Game of Thrones, like, years after it's out, you're like, you missed it. Like, you missed (laughs) the cultural movement of Game of Thrones. Like, you can't. So, yeah, uh, you can find us, meanwhile, on Instagram, at inbedwithbooks underscore. Follow us on there. See what we're reading. You can see the full reading prospectus for the whole season. So you can see exactly what we're reading. I think we're going to be doing the Serpent and Dove series, and then after that we're going to do the V.E. Schwab's Darker Shade of Magic trilogy. Yeah. Really excited about those. I just got those in and they're like gorgeous. They're I oh, love God, them. Yeah. They are just on my shelf for everyone to see. God, I love them so much. So we'll be doing that and then we're actually going to end this season with a couple episodes of we have one where we're going to talk do a book to screen on Emma and we're going to read Emma and watch the Emma. 1990. Yeah. We're going to watch Emma, uh, the, <laughs> the 1996 version with Gwyneth Paltrow and then, and then also clueless. clueless. Yes. I love clueless. So I'm very excited for that. Yeah. Melissa is a clueless fan. And, and then, then you're, and I'm, you're... I'm a basic bitch that loves, <laughs> uh, <laughs> any, uh, Jane Austen period, movies i don't know yeah Um, but then we also i saw the new one the mm -hmm. relatively new one in theaters and i'd be down to watch that one again and so we're gonna kind of throw that one in there as well 
the yes. joy version. Yes. Yes. And I'm excited about that. Cause I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that'll be a fun one. I think we're going to do that with video. Yeah. That'll be a video exciting. version. So you can see our face and you can watch <sighs> us talk and you can see what our faces do. You can see why sometimes we get quiet and stare at each other. <laughs> you can watch us wave goodbye. <laughs> yeah, because we, for some reason, think that you guys hear it. Hear us wave. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. We will see you on the next one. No, we won't. We won't see anyone. No. <laughs> I was like, we won't? <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another week and happy reading. Bye. Should I say boobs or should I say breasts? Breastesses. Keep the boobs. Boobs? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have to ask my preference. Yeah.